At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Good morning and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Pajama. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into the greatest show on earth. It's the Hard Luck Show coming at you from the Pico Youth Center in the beautiful city of Santa Monica, California. Sitting or standing across from me is my co-host, my partner, the Mad Indian himself. The Mad Indian who's searching for the goddamn theme song he just set up. Here he goes. Arms are looking big this morning. Get in there, brother. Hook ahead, brother. Get in there. Hey, I want to... Thank my ancestors for these amazing <laughs> arms. Yes. Hey, I dedicate this to the great grandfather in the sky. Look at this bicep. Ah. Mm. Okay, easy there, cowboy. Huh? Hey, Indian. Oh, Indian. Not cowboy. <laughs> Chumahan, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian, here with another show once again, and let's go. Come on. Easy there, Indian. Yeah, <laughs> let the spirituality come and grab you by the throat and wake you up. That sounds great. But it doesn't sound superb because our audio genius is not here today. That's true. But you're doing a good job. But our audio man, uh, old blue eyes. Right. Mr. Sean Lewis is not in today. He's uh, on a camping trip with his son and right. uh, the whole school class. So uh, I just got a report in from the campgrounds. Apparently, old blue eyes last night. Caught on uh, fire. <laughs> he sat too close to the fire. <laughs> Melted his shoes. Yeah, okay. And he's now at the emergency room. They're removing one of his shoes melting on his foot. They had to use surgery. Yes. Yeah. All okay. right, here we go. Well, Very good. Enough okay. with the jokes. Enough. Let's stop playing games. Okay. It's time for... Uh, the Scatman? I got no Yes. Visuals by Big Pig Mike. Oh, following your lead, man. Uh, come yeah. on, man. Hey, photography, yo. listen. What up? Don't try to genderize your energy, <laughs> Mr. Scott, man. Oh, I never, man. Yeah, Edna Garrett glasses. Lavender, lavender glasses. Lavender. That's right. Yeah, man. I'm very World proud. I'm very proud of those glasses. Don't even trip, dude. <laughs> you ever got it like that, homie? 
Yeah, yeah man. man. Yeah. Shout out to everybody out there on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check us out. We're going to do it right all the time. Are you yeah. doing any DJing? Yeah, I did this uh, gig last night and do something on Sunday, this Sunday coming up. What's your DJ outfit? Do you wear like a tank top? What do you do? No, I just uh, do, like a peanut shell and a rubber band. Okay. <laughs> peanut shell and a rubber band. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yes. Do I just fucking that was it. good, though. I like that peanut right. shell. And the- we are extremely lucky today. Because we got on a guy, man, I've only hoped to have on the last year. And that is, we have the privilege of having Mr. Checkpoint on our show today. Here he comes. Welcome this gentleman. Mr. Checkpoint to the show. Mr. Checkpoint. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself, Mr. Checkpoint. Come on. One of my heroes. Yeah, I've never seen One of my heroes, I've never seen it. President Biden came by the other day, and Big Lux didn't give one shit. One but shit. Mr. Checkpoint is here, and he's like over there, barely able to hold a cigarette. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 for sure, man. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And he got the right song on too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But in case some of you think that, oh, Mr. Checkpoint is always hard and fighting the power, he's got a tender side. Mm-hmm. And the tender side is brought with him, Sarah. His, I don't know what it is, but she came with him. I'm not going to put a label on it. No yeah, judgments. Yeah, no judgments. Yeah. This is a safe place. It's a, a handsome couple, these two. Right oh, here, they're like, kids. These two I'm right not here. trying to put pressure on you. I'm not trying to put pressure on you, but you're kids. Yeah. Checkpoint Junior has got a modeling career in front yeah. of him. Uh, here we go. Hmm. And she said, Lionel Richie, hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Mr. Checkpoint. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Mr. Checkpoint. It's is you me? I've been looking, looking for. Because <laughs> you got good videos. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> You're a funny motherfucker and humor goes a long way with me. Yeah. A lot of guys step to me. <laughs> but I need a funny skater looking dude with an orange beanie. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. All right. Very good. All right. Wow. Mr. Checkpoint, welcome to the show, my friend. Welcome to the thank show. You. Wow. Thank you. Thank man, you. Thank I am you. really happy that you're here, man. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's a pleasure. And uh, it's amazing to be here in Santa Monica as well at the Youth Center. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were talking a little bit about the Youth Center. How do you, Mr. Checkpoint, how do you guys know the Youth Center? I was connected to Oscar and uh, ended up then coming to this facility and being blown away Mm -hmm. by what he's been doing, his uh, purpose, his career, his passion and how it aligns and his and how he makes change for people in the world really i'm inspired by oscar very much oscar de la torre the people's champ yep a vote for oscar is a vote for santa monica a vote for oscar and we give a shout out to alex too who is uh, the current you know he runs the day-to-days over here so yes shout out alex yep absolutely when, you know, when did when did I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you up but I was going to uh, ask you when did Mr. Checkpoint come across your radar Big Lux couple of years back I mean years maybe, yeah I think I think wow. maybe like uh, I, w- I want to say a couple of years back and caught me it was kind of it was like a com- uh, he, I think I might have seen a Santa Monica police officer and that's what kind of caught my attention and it was kind of confrontational and um and you said hello, uh, and I was just like, I started following and looking at these videos of this guy that was really not really being moved or told no, wasn't going for it, and he was 
asking questions and directing questions at police officers that that I've I've just really been at rest about and always felt inside like I wanted the answers to. But if I stood there and kind of said some shit to him, I'd be. Oh, I'm, I I don't know. It, they it give doesn't you the usually work out, right? Yeah, they give you the meg light treatment and saying and standing up and saying some things um, and questioning different things and tactics and for things that these that were really fucking frustrating me. And he was tackling them all. And as I started looking at his videos more and more. For one, uh, a lot of stuff happens on the west side. I see like Santa Monica, Beverly Hills. I see like the west side being covered. So I was like, wow, this guy's out in this area somewhere and um, standing on and challenging um, a lot of the, the tactics and the and p- police guidelines that they have and what they're doing. And I've always just felt like treated so unfairly by police that they're not protecting and serving and they're not part of the community and they're i just i have a lot of issues and uh he tackles a lot of them uh the injustice is done by law enforcement these days and their tactics and how they go about it and um he's somebody that i watch every day that i follow that i tell people about and he's challenging and he's bringing the news and he's bringing this information putting on a platform where everybody can see it for free they can look right at it and I love what he's doing. And that's how I came across him. How did you come across him? I came across Mr. Checkpoint from you. You're the one that told me. I mean, I'm not I'm never in any trouble these like at all, right? So mm-hmm. I'm just like doing my thing, whatever I'm doing. And then every time I see you, you got the video out and you're like, check this shit out. Right. And it's Mr. Checkpoint. And I'm like, man, I mean, some people, right? Some people are watching, you know, Game of Thrones. Some people are watching the Kardashians. You're watching Mr. Checkpoint. Yep. And I understand why holding police accountable makes sense to you. But Mr. Checkpoint, how did this start, bro? Please. Come on. Uh, it starts by knowing it exists. So like my I grew up in a family where it was my dad's a lawyer. So I constantly uh, yeah. hear him advocating for people, fighting for people in the courtroom. And to me, that's normal until I have friends that don't have that experience. And so I have friends who get pulled over and get in trouble for things they didn't do. And then I would say, yo, what did your dad say about that? He'd say, my dad said, I'm lucky that's all that happened. And in that particular instance, it was actually, maybe we were like 14 years old. Our Jewish friend took out his parents' car. Our black friend was in the passenger seat. The car got pulled over. And one of the kids got picked up by his parents. One kid went to jail and had to do community service. Somehow that was the passenger. And he was my black friend. And that's the one I said, yo, what did your parents say? What did your dad say? He's like, I'm lucky that's all that happened. And I know for me, if I went home and told my dad that exact story, he would like be fighting for me. He'd be down at City Hall. Exactly. Filing a lawsuit. Absolutely. And for me, when things would go wrong, that's exactly what we would do. He would teach me about that. Hey, you bought something, it doesn't work. This is small claims court. <laughs> I went I took yeah. compact in office depot to small claims court when I was like 14 for a laptop that was literally broken and I won all of the money back. I kept the laptop. I learned about a judgment. Compact and Office Depot didn't show up. I learned what that meant. Yeah, default, baby. Right. So these were things that were like almost natural to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I would have assumed everyone knows that and learned that until, again, these are my closest friends. They're not having this experience. Mm. Uh, And that just 
further developed uh i ended up learning about yeah wait hold on i'm <laughs> laughing because we were covering a lot of ground so <clears throat> your dad's an attorney where does your dad generally practice so my dad uh was an attorney for over 40 years here in los angeles he okay. represented people for really social security disability income yeah. ssi he represented yeah. over fifty thousand people in la and surrounding areas right he had like this county contract. So it was a small law firm where he did all of the work. And he just was really passionate about using his uh, degree, you know, using his license as a lawyer to help people in those ways. He would try to get people out of the Vietnam War. He's always done things of like Fighting how to use power. fight the power. And that's not every lawyer, right? I think lawyers no, kind of have a bad name. most lawyers are part of the power. Correct. Right? That's so what the fuck is that? I've seen it in the positive manner used in that way i never felt like i'm gonna go to law school i didn't feel like being a lawyer did, now let's my... be real mr checkpoint did your dad who's a lawyer did he give you some pressure to go to law school or no no not really not really i was never good in school and i didn't like school ever so i don't think he was <laughs> like let's spend a you know it wasn't like worth it to, i don't know if my, my dad was a lawyer and he gave me a fucking it was like a done deal like, I was like, no way. And he was like, you're going and blah, 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 blah. You're telling me your dad was like, eh, well, you know. Yeah, I never shown a passion in being a lawyer. So I didn't think he ever pushed in that manner. Interesting. I've always really had like entrepreneurial spirits and like been just creative. So I'll think of random things and then implement them. And with Mr. Checkpoint, it was just that. I was watching the news. And I was, it talked about how checkpoints were being used to target Hispanics and Latinos and right. Chula Vista and Escondido. Right. Mm -hmm. And they weren't telling people where checkpoints were. For me, a checkpoint's unconstitutional. We have a right to travel freely in this country without being stopped and asked, where are you going? Where are you coming from? With a flashlight in your eyes and someone with a gun on their hip. So I don't think there ever should be an excuse for a checkpoint. But because we've said DUI is dangerous, let's violate our rights some states allow us we'll balance it the idea being public safety public versus safety right to travel correct and then the point of the checkpoint if you really look into it, it's about education it's not about catching drunks it's supposed to be public awareness so they're supposed to actually advertise these checkpoints ahead of time hey make responsible decisions the police are here not illegal searches correct and not it's not supposed to be shocking. It's not supposed to be like, oh my God, there's a checkpoint. It's actually supposed to be well publicized. It's part of making them constitutional, constitutionally because they kind of violate our rights. So, there's so, so, so they do violate our rights up to a point. And so today, right, it's interesting. Maybe you can talk a little bit about this since we're talking about law enforcement and we're talking about rights, so-called constitutional rights. Recently, there was the shooting right, the mass murder, really, at an elementary school, right? And part of the problem is you have some people who advocate that there's a Second Amendment right to be able to buy assault weapons. And yet we have such a thoroughly, like, implemented incursion on our rights re related to DUIs. It's almost unquestioned. In fact, you're sticking out a little bit because you're like, what the fuck is this? It's not supposed to be happening. How do you balance or how do you look at the fact that on the checkpoints, conservatives and all these fuck faces are kind of OK with our conservative rights being impinged upon. But then when it comes to guns that have related to this, conservatives are like, oh, you can't impede on the right. Well, how do you look at that or why is it like that? 
What's interesting is actually conservatives and people who really are conscious of our constitutional rights yeah. are against checkpoints. They are. Yeah. There is a community and perception that, again, if you talk about DUI, everybody wants everybody wants to be against drunk driving. Nobody right. wants to do anything that right. could have anything that would help that or hinder or not hinder that. Mm -hmm. How, however, checkpoints in terms of a political thing, conservatives do not like them. And actually the conservative states are the ones who say we don't have them. California is more of a democratic state. We do have checkpoints. We're more lenient on getting rid of our rights or limiting our rights for public safety. And that's what has happened with the checkpoints. But and the, that's, uh, but the issue with that is, or I'm questioning, and you can l answer this as well. As I think that's a great answer. So, I guess maybe the perception that checkpoints might be more aligned with the conservatives is that the people performing the checkpoints are police who are then enforcing and or doing things f against people of color, which seems to be aligned with certain conservatives. Not all, I will say. Absolutely, and that's a double standard for sure because they'll like checkpoints. Uh, so to sometimes those people will like immigration checkpoints or they won't right. mind checkpoints in these neighborhoods, mm -hmm. but they'll say, you know, don't do a checkpoint that's in the city or a DUI checkpoint. And so there is definitely discretion of when we should limit our rights and not, and when it's for safety. I think we have these rights. We should never make excuses to get rid of them, no matter what the perceived safety is. Mm. And with DUI and the checkpoints, the reality of publicizing them is it does create awareness. It does, I believe that education breeds responsibility. So if people are educated about the dangers of DUI and the awareness that they do make responsible decisions, and that's really what I was able to do with Mr. Checkpoint is just say, use social media and say, these are where, checkpoint, these are where checkpoints are. Mm -hmm. um, and learn that I did get support from some police departments who do actually follow the rules and do publish them ahead of time. LAPD is one of those departments. So I'll get all the checkpoints ahead of time for the whole weekend. Mm. And I'll be then sharing it. And they even go to court and they've told me, you know, different officers have said, we've used Mr. Checkpoint in court to say these checkpoints were publicized ahead of time, even in this app, even on this Mr. Checkpoint social media. And therefore uh, they follow the law. Right. So one way of protecting a valid checkpoint, setting aside the philosophical argument about whether they should be there at all. Right. But one way law enforcement or whatever can say, look, and here's even Mr. Checkpoint that we've supplied him with it. And so this is not a hidden checkpoint. This is not a uh, lay in wait or an ambush. Correct. That would be the way that they would justify it. Uh, and, Interesting. You know, um, it was my experience in really sharing those because uh, I was doing it on social media. I would also hold it like a towel at the time. This is over 10 years ago. Mm. So I'd write on a towel checkpoint ahead and then I would just hold it in front of the checkpoint. And the reason, you know, you ha see all these videos that at least some of them that I'm sharing or the reason I personally started filming the police was because an officer pulled up when I was doing that. I know, again, I have a legal right to do that. Mm -hmm. But he says, hey, put your sign down. And I said, why? He said, you can ask why in fucking jail I told you to put your sign down. <laughs> you know, Fuck. I went home because I was like, what? I couldn't, I couldn't believe an officer said that to me. I didn't even really share it 
at the time because I was like, no one would believe it. it all these things went on in my right, head right. of saying, wait, now I need to film the police always because he just said something that's absurd to me. I mean, he spoke in my head this whole time. I'm like, protect and serve what? He said that to me. Mm-hmm. So I became, you know, obsessed, obsessive of just filming the police all the time. If I see him, I would always film him. A body cam before they had body cams. Yeah, it was just any time. And they would say, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? People who know me, we'd be walking. I would just stop and film. they say, why are you filming? I wouldn't really know why, to be honest. Mm. Obviously, we've seen Rodney King. That's a handheld footage. Mm. There hadn't been that much footage that comes out 10 years ago from people's camcorders or phones. It's just rare. Um, So... That uh, that just transpired. And maybe the video you saw specifically of Santa Monica was me being pulled over. So anytime I'd be pulled over, I'd start recording. Mm. And then that and most of the times I'd get a ticket, I would delete the video. I never would really share these videos because usually nothing happens. Mm. Right. But I still didn't not want to record just because nothing didn't happen before. Because something could happen each time. Something could happen. Let me ask you this, because everybody seems to be confused in California, so let's just fucking set the record straight. Enough with the bullshit. Enough with the lies. What is the rule with recording police when they pull you over? Are you allowed, by law, to record what's going on? That's a great question. And this answer is actually beyond California. This is our whole country. Okay. We have the right to always film the police, and it's protected in the First Amendment, which is freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of media, freedom of public of uh, being able to assemble publicly. That's like why we can protest. Filming the police and sharing that content is protected under that First Amendment in our Constitution, which is in every state. A lot of footage I get, um, especially if I'm being pulled over, I never really think it's helpful when officers know I'm filming, right? Then it can be confrontational, especially if I'm pulled over and I'm the driver. The last thing I want to do is make it confrontational. Right. So the reason I mention this is because, because they're public servants, they have no expectation of privacy. So right. we don't have to tell them we're recording. You don't have to say, officer, I'm recording you. For me, and in the video you may have saw in Santa Monica, I won a $70,000 settlement yeah. because of footage I took. There's no video in it. It's just audio. I was using my video on my cell phone, but it was of, you know, the cup holder, for example. Mm. Audio is good enough. The officer never knew I was filming. And when we have conversations with officers in uniform who are on duty, we can always record them. Anytime I call police departments, I'm always filming on my end. I don't tell them that. And that's not the same as if I'm calling a private citizen. Lucky or you, correct. Mm-hmm. Right. This is only Chumahan. because Chumahan. <laughs> no, because uh, that's the expectation of privacy and being a public servant. Right. So, yeah. so, so it's fascinating that you bring that up because I've had experiences where I'm filming the police and the first thing they try to tell me is like, oh, that's against the law. You can't film. And I'm like, Bro, you're paid with taxpayer money. You're a public servant. You're in public and you're performing a public duty. You have no expectation of privacy. So can police lie to you? Yes. There you go. So police are going to tell you all sorts of things, right? You can't do that. You're not supposed to do this. You're not allowed to exercise that right. They can lie to you. They can say they can't lie to you. It's all a lie. First of all, dude, for sure. In law school, one of the first cases they taught us in criminal procedure was they were interrogating a dude 
and they falsified DNA evidence. And they walked right into the interrogation after like 10 hours. And they told the guy, look, it's right there in the black and white. You did it. We have your DNA. And the guy looked at it and then he confessed. Right. Right. Went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, yeah, they can lie. They can absolutely lie. There's no requirement that the cops have to tell you the truth. Absolutely. They can say every person you're with told us you did it. The yep. blood matches your blood. Yep. You've done all you have to do is confess and yep. this will go a lot easier. We'll get you home. Then you confess and then you're locked up for life. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's the anything truth. you ever say to them will always be used against you. There is people think they could talk their way out of it. Anything you say that would help your court case isn't relevant in your court case because you're not in court to help you. You're in court to prove anything against you. Right. So the cop's never going to say he mentioned this and that which would help your case. Nothing that you ever said that would help your case will ever be recalled. It'll never happen. The only things relevant in your court case is the things you said that will hurt you. And if they had to lie to get you to say that or confuse you or keep it, all those things will happen. Keep you awake, talk to minors, all of the different things that cops do that I think are unconstitutional, inhumane and, are the reason we're the most imprisoned country on the planet. And California is the biggest. As, 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 as liberal as California wants to claim it is, we have one of the biggest in the world prison populations. We have the most incarcerated people on the whole planet. Like, think, yeah. about, think about North Korea. They're nothing compared to us. Mm. Think about that. This is a whole country it's under... India, China, these are people with more people than we have population and we have more people incarcerated and i think some of these countries combined i mean it's like we're the land of the free but it's actually all a lie and well the reason why and so this is interesting that we're here at this discussion because technically right on paper we are the land of the free but in that the trick is there's a lot of little missteps they can put in your way that can take you right out of there. And once you get, con- and you know this, mm-hmm. so once you, once you fall, right, unless you're the president's son, right, you get pulled over for a DUI, you get convicted, eventually you become president again, mm-hmm. right? Bush Jr. That, no problem. But for some reason, those folks can bounce back. Mm-hmm. But everybody else doesn't bounce back and then you're incarcerated, you're no longer land of the free. And that's part of why education is important because right now the way the game's set up, they just don't tell you. Right. We don't learn our rights in school. We don't learn the law in school. If, you know, we go to jury duty, the first time we're learning about it is when we're there. <laughs> I find most of us are raised trying to get out of that, out of jury duty. Yeah. And that's something where, again, just with Mr. Checkpoint, I'm trying to bring a lot of awareness to how do we educate the people, kids and adults? What is jury duty? What are our rights? What are we supposed to say? What makes us an impartial juror? There's things that we can say as jurors and really make in like the people in the, the, the jury is actually how innocent people are being convicted and cops who actually do wrong, who go to trial, get off the communities that these things are happening and aren't being represented in the courtrooms. And I think it's really important that we all start talking about jury duty a lot more and encouraging us to do it participate in it share it and learn more about it all right so think about what he just laid out like Mm -hmm. we put it into the bullet points right he's saying like look where these convictions are happening 
against people of color or poor people, white people, poor white people, all right? All of that, right? This is all happening outside the community where these people really live. Mm. Second of all, even though we've created a propaganda in our society of get out of jury duty and jury duty's bullshit and fuck jury duty, right? So that whoever gets put on there doesn't understand the situation, which is part of what the role of the juror is, is to balance the credibility. So they don't know anything about the defendant. All they know is a guy in a uniform with a shiny badge that's supposed to be a good guy is saying, yeah, he did it. And, and they convict watched, him. Right, and they've watched cops for oh. 30 years right. and think that whatever a cop says is the truth, oh. that a cop can never lie. All it takes is one person on a jury to say, the cops can lie. Look, let's remember this case or don't we recall this. And that whole jury can flip. You know, there's thousand nonprofits that get us to vote. When you vote, you're one in 30 million. When you're a jury, you're one in 13. It's yep. literally the most intimate, purposeful thing you can do in your community is to learn about it, talk about it and get involved. Dude, that's so crazy because, you know, when you watch cops, the way the cops behave on camera there totally different than the way they really behave and that's a massive propaganda thing and a lot of those convictions got overturned later because it was filmed and the guy signed away certain legal rights as part of his signing up to be on television when they told him he was pressured yeah i mean imagine what they didn't show in cops right like they have all the footage and you know what bothers me is the way body cam footage works today is honestly kind of like cops 2.0 they release what they want, when they want, and how they want. If, right. if, if LAPD right now kills someone in my family, I'm not going to be necessarily entitled to the footage. They might not give it to me at all. They might give me a piece of it. You know, these are real issues. If we as people, as taxpayers, pay for all the body cam footage, how come it's limited and piecemealed how they want to deliver it? That sounds like it's more of a show or PR campaign for them. Right. And so... For me, with Mr. Checkpoint and encouraging people to always film the police, that is the future, in my opinion, of the real cops. And that's the real thing that needs to get out of how do people actually interact with police? What is the real situations, not the manufactured, edited uh, things that they want to share when they want to share it? Let me ask you this. How, How many times have you been arrested? Uh, Like spent the night in jail twice. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but arrested. I think I've been handcuffed, but definitely more. I mean, yeah. But I don't know. I and were they were they and when and the nights that you spent the night in jail were they legitimate? So the first night I spent in jail was in Santa Monica. Uh, it was I was pulled over for a DUI in California. We have a right to refuse field sobriety test, which means walk the line and touch your nose. Right. So in Santa Monica, the officer. Uh, motorcycle officer pulled me over and he asked me to do those i refuse them mm-hmm. he says i'm gonna take you to jail for dui and that's what he does they mm-hmm. find uh pills in my car which were prescribed to me mm-hmm. so i thought actually the whole time i was gonna blow in the breathalyzer 0.00 go home when he finds the pills he's like oh he's on these pills i know from my training and experience that based <laughs> on his white pale skin and his bloodshot watery eyes and his slurred speech he's <laughs> on all these pills and he needs to go to the hospital for a blood test so that's what I did, and I had to spend that night how, in jail. How do, how do they do the blood test at the hospital? How's that work? Walk us through that. 
I mean, just like needle in arm, vial of No, but blood. do they pull up like to the emergency room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. San and they Monica get you Hospital. out and they go, this guy right it's here. It's like a on. nurse does it. I'm handcuffed. It's like just, it's ridiculous because you look like you're a criminal, like you've done something wrong. You know, we're all right. innocent until proven guilty. And here we're like, I'm sit- sitting in the hallway of a hospital uh, handcuffed, right? right? Right. So they take my blood. Then I go to the station and spend the night. Right. Uh, wake up in the morning. My dogs were with me. My car was towed. So they took my dogs to the pound. So I had to like get my car, pick up my dogs. Mm. And uh, so that is how I won the $70,000 settlement. The second time I spent the night in jail was uh, a year ago in September. I was just covering a protest, you know, documenting uh a protest that was going on in Inglewood and the cops did uh, said, you know, everyone needs to leave. They shot tear gas, pepper bullets. I'm trying to get to my car. And what ends up happening is uh, the officer says to me, and this is all on video, right? I'm always filming. And this particular one, I was on Instagram live. There was maybe like 500 people watching. And thank, thankfully, because what ended up happening is the officer uh, asked me my name and when I wouldn't tell him, he told me I failed his attitude test and ordered my arrest. And like seven cops arrested me. I spent the night in the Inglewood Sheriff's Department where they told me that like gang members were going to come in and beat me up because they, they were. They told you that. Yeah. Like I literally the night I spent in Santa Monica, truly like I could have slept. You know, I didn't really have this like fear of life. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, just it's honest. This night in particular, like it's cruel and unusual punishment where like I'm in fear for my life thinking every noise I hear, I'm thinking, is that the person coming in my cell? I've seen endless videos and people's faces that never look the same from just one night in jail. So I was truly terrified. Um, And for that case, I have uh, an attorney, Lacey Dewitt, who uh, he's from the law firm that represented Rodney King. Mm. And uh, so they're representing me in that one. But uh, that was the second time I was arrested. And for that, they took my phone. They didn't give me my phone for six months. Someone was live. uh, Was it screen recording my live? But if not for that, I wouldn't have even had the video because they wiped my phone. Fucking guy. SIM card was out of the phone, like everything strange. We don't know what happened. The whole fucking thing was someone put it in the microwave. We're trying to make a burrito. What about, so this attitude test, is that admissible in court? No, so (laughs) basically police have one year to file a ticket when they give it to you. DUI, traffic ticket, et cetera. I've been, I've received many tickets that never have been filed and this was one of them. But, you know, for me, it's like a night in jail. Same with the DUI. It wasn't filed because I, blood results said I was sober. So it's the same thing. I don't even have to go to court. I didn't even have to prove my innocence because I was, they don't file these tickets that they're giving me. I do sue because, well, why did I spend the night in jail then? And there's an off the sergeant who did it. He's been a sergeant for I want to for decades. He has gone around the country teaching departments, even the world, teaching police about how to. Uh, tr- he's trained officers on how to conduct people for First Amendment stuff, protests, and he's a nightmare. So, mm. so let me ask you this then. So, are you finally like? Do you have notoriety now with the cops? Like when the cops pull you over, and like ah oh, fuck, it's Mister Checkpoint. Don't fuck with that guy. He's gonna fucking film it. It's gonna be a big nightmare. Paperwork headache. Uh, they 
Santa Monica PD and Beverly Hills PD definitely are small enough departments where I think they know who I am. I mean, these are Do departments. They hit you? Do they ever see you and they're like, look, you little punk. I've killed three little squirts like you before. They, I don't. I think a lot don't like me, uh, but they still will interact. They'll still give me tickets sure. for that are like unread. Like, again, they don't file, uh, so it's it is strange. Some are more harassing. Some seem to be like, I respect what you do. It is all over, and I will say that I have to say that there are officers, and I believe that with all of the things that I try to expose, whether it's any organization or agency or anything. There have to be people on the inside that help and come to save and and give info that uh, can make it better. Because without them, you don't have you have a lot less hope to make it better. You don't know what's going on. Right. What was your take on the whole concept of defund the police? What was your thought about that? Was is there a better system? Most people think defund the police means, okay, we're just going to run around lawless. And no, that isn't what it is. What was your thinking on that? It's tricky. I don't have a good thought of the police as it works today. You know, I don't see police making our country safer or better. I think look at the shooting that just occurred. Took them how long? I mean, the police that went in got their own kids. The parents who were there worried got arrested. If they got let go, they then ran in and got their kids. It's like, I don't find police protecting us in real time. Yeah, when shit goes down, we end up calling the police who then like kind of give a report or something, but I don't That's have the true. best perception. I, I guess, will I say that defund the police is the right wording? Absolutely not, because it isn't. I think we need to reimagine police. Right. I mm. think reallocate. For me, you know, in terms of public safety in LA, I, I've always thought of something like, um, we need another agency that shows up, right? So when there's a call, how do we get someone there that's brave, that knows how to do well, something? Well, you already messed up right there. Brave? Well, like fire department. Right. Firefighters are brave, right? Absolutely. They don't have guns. They don't have cuffs. You can put a bot, like you could get a motor. Okay, this is how I think of it. Police have so many agencies and departments, SWAT team, drug, narcotics, mm-hmm. the bomb squad, all this shit. I want to do that, honestly, maybe with the fire department. How can we fund out things where they go out if it's a mental health crisis, suicide, homelessness? I see people that should, like, get pulled over that, like, need help. They're, like, bleeding and shit, and they look like they're going to die. Like, how do you get someone to help them and say, yo, how can I help you? Do you need water, bandages, Neosporin? Less cops pulling us over for fix-it tickets. Actually, I don't think that should ever happen. Cops pulling us over for a tint and loud exhaust that's not my problem if i'm driving my sister's car with tint send that to the license plate right if you run through a red light the ticket comes in the mail there's a lot of shit that we're wasting money on with police that i think we need to reimagine safety in cities and i look at things like fire department i don't know add stuff to them give them a motorcycle a body cam a vest and let them show up to scenes where there could be uh, unsafe you know, circumstances. You know, it's interesting what you're saying because in part of reading about the shootings, I've been looking at, there's a new thing that's been going on for the last 10 years, essentially. It started out real small, but, but threat assessment, like figuring out like, wait a second, what are the signs and signals of something like Las Vegas or something like Ovalde or something like Sandy Hook? Like get outside the 
traditional law enforcement idea, and it's it's not. I'm not saying that this is started by cops. I'm saying that these are professionals whose whole job is to think about how do we deal with that. And they cited a case, and it's anecdotal, but in one of the cases they cited, they said that at a university, there was a student who had been writing weird stuff on whatever. So they didn't call the cops, right? They reported it to the threat assessment persons. They sent a psychological or a psycho, um, a counselor of some kind, not a counselor to talk them down, but just to start being friendly with them and talk to them. It turns out the guy was about to go psycho. They got him some mental treatment, not in a forced necessarily way, but in just engaging him before he snaps and getting him some mental help. They were able to not only um, get him some um, drugs and help that he needed, but also follow up with him and continue the ongoing discussion. And he revealed to them, I have knives and shit under my bed that I was going to fucking use. Can you please remove those things so that when I come back, they're not there because I don't want to have anything to do with it. He was hearing voices right. from God telling him. Now, that's one type. That's not all these threat assessments, but that was one of the more proactive approaches to thinking about that. Now, while that's all happening, I can see also Mr. Checkpoint's legal concern, spidey sense being like, that's good, but how do we also make sure that it isn't becoming minority report where it's like people are doing threat assessments and then invading someone's legal rights right because and and in a lot of ways this happens right because if you are uh i mean look how many times there was like bombs bomb threats and right. terrorism look how terror look how we call a terrorist if it's someone who's middle eastern right, right? but the person who shot up all the people in buffalo was reporting all of that and sharing all of that right. online. Right. So the people who do the risk assessment, if they're not equ- if they're not doing it equally or fairly, then right. it's a problem. And sure. then you just end up targeting people. Sure. So I think that's the biggest concern. That well, so we would have to say then at that level, that's the biggest concern going forward. That's been the biggest concern, right? Because threat assessment at that at the higher level is a more reasoned, more well thought out and fair version of profiling. Absolutely. Right, that's what the cops are doing and that's unfairly applied. Correct, because if you're not doing it to find white supremacists, then this is an issue. Right, right. What, so going back to you know, Mr. Checkpoint and setting it all up, have you found from the community like a lot of support from friends and other people who've said, hey, you know, I believe in what you're doing, what can I do to help? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's there's been a ton from um, I think different celebrities, politics. I mean, look at like Oscar, right? Of yeah. Even just being here, he's been someone that's been super supportive of those things being shared. Uh, people like Killer Mike has been amazingly supportive. Be real, Estevan yeah. has pulled up a bunch of times to different issues or things that uh, I've let him know about, and so. Yeah, it's been definitely well-received in the community and online. Right. Are you going to run for office? Is, are the rumors true? M- uh, Mr. Checkpoint for city council? <laughs> no, no, not this time. Okay. Maybe one day, but right. no. Too many skeletons in the closet? <laughs> no, no, not that. <laughs> um, so then, Steve, going back to Big Lux, going back to what you saw, what did you see his interaction with the Santa Monica police officer that caught your attention? What was he doing? He's, I, I can't remember exactly, but... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know, it was showing how much money these guys are making, which I've always known. These guys make a huge amount of money. And uh, I think it was more just the attitude and the ignorance that they displayed. And he was asking just some normal questions. They were doing everything to avoid them, give them stupid answers, um, just the way cops usually treat you. Any kind of exchange I've ever had with the, with the police officer. Real cocky. Um, um, you know, unwilling to hear anything. Right. Except what they see and believe and uh, just ignorance. It was capturing the ignorance of these police officers, the arrogance and the ignorance. Why are police officers seemingly, right? So let's just lay Arrogant this. Arrogant and ignorant. Why? Yeah. But what would you say is the percentage of police that are actually really doing the real job? Like, give us a percentage based on your experience. I, uh, that are doing their job? I don't really know. I know. Oh, I'm, come on. Just throw a number. Up. For real. Just take a stand. You're not going to be held to it. I'll be honest. I would say very few because that are doing a good job. I don't know. I only know I can count on one hand that I would say uh, actually do the right thing or would do the right thing. Because here's the problem with being an officer. If your partner does something wrong, okay, and you tell on him, you're going to get reprimanded. That's the reality of police culture in America. So if your partner does something even illegal and you tell on him to your supervisor, you're going to get reprimanded. I've had officers tell me that, Mm -hmm. but I've had less than, uh, you know, it's less than five or so. And the ones that have told me are fired now, you know, or aren't on the job. That's a reality of holding other cops accountable. So let me, let me understand something then. So you're saying, that if a cop did something illegal and you're another cop, so you're both there to uphold the law. That's what you're sworn to do. That's what the goddamn badge is for. Jesus Christ. Right? And let's say it's your training officer. Let's say she's a woman. You're a guy. She, you guys go to a call and it's a guy who is psychologically having a difficult time. And let's say your partner who's training you kicks him in the face. And then you say, you know what? That's wrong. I'm going to report that. 
and you report that. And then shortly thereafter, then 10, maybe 20 days, there's a manhunt. The cops are looking for you, and you're holed up in Mammoth in a cabin. Then they, they, they burn the fucking cabin down. They find your charred remains, and they say you committed suicide. Is that a possibility? They incinerated Christopher Dorner in the house he was in. <laughs> and, and the craziest part is that I shared a post of that house and him because he allegedly killed a couple cops. Right. And they blew up a whole home. How is the guy, that mass murder, the white supremacist, who murders people on live? So that's not even alleged. I saw news reports that said that that guy allegedly murdered people in buffalo that's not alleged he did it on live right right how does he come out with a hand on his shoulder you know what i'm saying on live mass murder bloodshed and you killed christopher dorner you i mean that's a violation when police kill people they are taking away their they are innocent people. We are innocent until proven guilty. So every nearly every person police kill, they're killing innocent people. Yes. And police kill Man. on average at least nine hundred people a year. So that's about three a day. We don't hear about the three names every day. We wouldn't even be able to recall after a week three names every day if we saw those videos. Mm-hmm. And that's a reality. And when they kill people, they're pretending to be judge, jury, and executioner. I, n- I don't ever agree with the death penalty, to be honest. That's me personally. Mm-hmm. So when we, and, and I think it's important when people do wrong and you see cops kill someone, you go, he deserved it. It's really never okay for cops to kill anyone. No one should get their uh, punishment from a cop. The cop right. is there to bring him into court. Jail is there to wait for court. You're innocent in jail. The perception of people and police and talking to the police, we all think like we're criminals. The mugshot, that's another thing. They'll put a person's mugshot, right? The mugshot is when you're waiting for trial. That's when you're first arrested. How come when cops do wrong, we hardly get their name? We hardly get their photo. They want to protect cops who do wrong at all costs. And they'll do that, right? When cops kill someone, they'll try not to get that cop's information out there to protect him. Where's, where's the protection of the community? If we're innocent until proven guilty, why are you showing us photos of the community? That's not making a positive perception of each other. You know what, man? You're, what you're saying is so true, and it makes such good logical sense, right? And I'm, I'm in agreement with it, totally, 1,000%. But I'm listening to, like, you know, I live down in Orange County, so I had a lot of those Orange County people, right? Trinity Broadcasting and all that wacky shit. But they fucking, they, they, I can see them saying to you, well, you know, Mr. Checkpoint, you're a dreamer. You don't really know human behavior. Like, the humans are crazy. You need a guy with a gun that's willing to shoot someone on the spot. Otherwise, it's going to be chaos and, and bedlam. And you are lived with a, a lawyer. And, you, you, you know, he supported your creativity. And most people don't live like that, Mr. Checkpoint. So maybe you're just thinking about pie-in-the-sky stuff. What's your response to that? I don't see cops making us safer and I would, I could, I, no, I mean, I would, I would just hope that they aren't on the bad end of an experience that, um, 
of so many families that I talked to because they would have said the same thing before. Right. And the people who are victims of police brutality, many of them would have felt the same way about police that you've just described. But right. when police do something to you and you can't get the accountability right. and that that sense of safety is forever taken from you and trust of what protecting and serving looks like, you're never the same. And to me, those families affected by police brutality are just as important to address as the people in Orange County who haven't yet experienced it. With Mr. Chuck, and that's the, the point of Mr. Checkpoint. I think it's important for people who've only experienced police brutality to see someone like me even be able to talk to cops and have a positive conversation or other people have positive interactions with cops. I think that is a benefit. At the same time, I think it's important for the people in Orange County to learn about people like Valentina and her family who's just shopping the day before Christmas Eve for a Christmas gift and is killed by LAPD in a dressing room. These are unavoidable circumstances that couldn't change, would never change no matter who you are, or where you are, and they are forever affected, you know, and it's important to just realize that that is happening and it's not stopping because cops are not being held more accountable. And regarding defund the police, cops have only been funded more and more and more. So any talk about a crime wave or anything is actually not addressed at all to any lack of funding to police because if you look at the budget before and now police have only received more money these right. are facts i believe that and on top of that it's so weird to me that <clears throat> you can have certain types of political groups we'll say right be totally against unionizing like you know amazon warehouse people don't unionize that's fucked up you can't unionize it's fucking high you just want to get paid for doing nothing but they never talk shit about cop unions. And those motherfuckers are maybe the most toughest freaking things to break through to hold cops accountable are a lot of cop unions. I'm like, I sit there and I watch this and I'm like, why is this allowed to persist? That's actually what I, if there's any number one problem with police in America, I would say it starts with accountability. Because if a cop does wrong, the officer who arrested me here in Santa Monica, his name's Kobe Arnold. I won $70,000 because of his arrest. The, that was his second time being mentioned in a lawsuit. The first time the gentleman received $99,000. Wow. Kobe Arnold makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. He's still employed by Santa Monica PD. I believe there's no employer in our country where you can cost that boss. Yeah hundreds of thousands of dollars in two different lawsuits and still have a job. It doesn't exist. No. Police are the only job in America that you can, again, kill people, break the law, get in trouble, get fired, and then get rehired by the same department or by other departments. And our communities never know because we don't know these officers' names. We don't know what they look like. That's been a huge thing with Mr. Checkpoint of why I go up to random cops, say their names, learn their names. How much do you make? We know everything about our favorite sports teams. I nice. wish people knew the same freaking stats about the cops in their community. Santa Monica only has 100 cops. It's not that hard to learn 100 names. Same with Beverly Hills. If the community cares about it, they'll learn about it. And change will happen because if they're bad, they'll get seen. And the only thing that bad the only way bad persists if it's if it's not brought to light really right 
So let me, democracy dies in darkness. So how does, let me ask you this then. How do you get the people, because even the shooting situations, right? I'm tired of blaming, and I do, the, the politicians, I do blame them. They took money from the NRA and they voted no on a lot of different things that could maybe have slowed this thing down. Um, all of that stuff I agree with. At the end of the day, though, I have to look at myself and be like, bro, like this is on your watch as an American. These kids are in danger because you didn't organize, because you didn't get educated, because you didn't vote, right? And jump on jury duty now that you just said that. So the issue is, is how, how do we, for real, I'm tired of marching. It doesn't seem to do anything. They, the, the power structure seems to have now co-opted and written in protest and upset discussions into the playbook so that they allow it they get upset everyone wrings their hands they're like this is terrible we agree and then it just goes back to the way it was how do we get past this mr checkpoint that's a big question i don't have all the answers yes you do don't lie i ask questions and just share <laughs> no, the answers. i'm tired of questions you've been doing it for 10 years we got to figure out the next step bro we have to the next step is learning your local po- local policies, local uh, candidates running for office, and get involved. Like I'm saying, jury duty, get registered to vote. These are actual things that I believe do make a difference. I don't know how we solve everything, but I do know that coming together and just learning about what the issues are and, and the best ways that we can find common ground i think is the goal big lux you've uh, had your run-ins with various checkpoints and the and the, la policia what are your thoughts well i keep on hearing you know i think that like you know both of you two have mentioned it's education yeah educating yourself and yeah. getting educated and knowing i think that there's things on here that i've heard that i didn't know um, and it, it brings you to a different light and a different understanding. I don't think most people understand the law Not and at their all. rights. Not at all. Which I think that's a, a pl- great place to start is beginning to understand your rights. Right. Um, you know, police officers are like other any other human being. They'll, they'll lie and they'll do other things, and, and they do, you know. And... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I also agree with you about the marches. and You know, you know I, there, there's something about with the school shootings, one thing and the guns. Yeah. It's not one thing and the other. I mean, but we're talking about two different topics. And I think. Uh, but edu- it, but, uh, but uh, I take Mr. Checkpoint's point, though. Point is that the issue is, is he's saying like the cops have the guns. So you're right. School shootings is one thing, right? But he said cops aren't making anything safer. No, man, they don't make anything safer. Even that situation, it wasn't safer. He's right. What he laid out. I mean, the parents were screaming for the cops to go in and do something. They were eating fucking croissants and like, oh, I'm not going to all that shit. Right. So the issue is, is like, I actually am starting to see this as a similar issue, which has to be something about how do we as humans, Americans, like really, like you love this country, you should take back your governments, really. Because this, this country has a potential to be amazing. 
people too too busy stuffing their faces and filling <laughs> their pockets and full of greed and selfishness. Like people, like you said, yeah, they don't you know take aren't really invested in their children or anybody else's children, for that matter. And this whole is all. I think the whole system is set up act in greed. It is from the beginning. I mean, that's actually the whole point of police in America is originally is like slave catchers right they wanted to catch slaves bring them back then we have all these unjust laws you can't interracially marry or you get arrested you can't use same segregation all of these different things where police are upholding the laws creating criminals not allowing people to vote right just like when you have when you're arrested when you're in trouble it affects all of your freedoms right and so in this country, we've done a good job at doing that, and it roots from the most disgusting places of greed. And uh, I think that it all has to, it all, even prison, you know, the amount of people that go to prison and, and really become rehabilitated, it, it, they're, they're doing that. I mean, you could speak on that, of course, certainly better than I, but if recidivism rate is in like 80%, so that means... If you go to prison, you're 80% likely to go back. Yeah. This is not creating an environment at all that's a benefit. So when people, because uh, I'm like, I think prison should be should be gone. I mean, there's a f- super small percentage of people that it's like put them in there and throw the key away. A lot of people in prison, we're expecting to get, to get back into society after treating them like animals and shit. And, and there's no rehabilitation in there. There's none. So if we have a place that we're sending people to then have them come back into society, prison is not it. It's actually not it. And so, but that's the how truth. many, that is the truth. And, and there are other countries that do have models that do work. And the recidivism, recidivism rate is almost zero. Well, one yeah, of Because the- they're rehabilitating. But I will say, there, there is no real rehabilitation. And the rehabilitation that they are offering is to a very, very, very small demographic in prison. You have to fill all this. But how many times have we been on the show, and we, we interview a lot of guys that have served Lifers. life and double life sentence. They are not provided any type of pre-parole programs at all. As a matter of fact, how many, are noti- how many were notified like, Three days, yeah, four days, a couple days before they go home, they're notified. They get, they're, oh, they're, you're going home in, you're going home in three days. Oh, get ready, you're going over. And these guys have been down 25, 30 years. Right, they've gotten no preparations. That in itself is a setup for to sure. Come back, it's a setup for failure. Um, our county jails are set up in a way that they want you to take a deal as quickly as possible to get on to prison. They don't want you fighting a case. They make it unli- unbearable, unlivable. It's a whole psych thing, L.A. County, so that you you take whatever they're giving you so you can get the hell out of there. All these are all set up. So once they get you in that system to break you down, make bad decisions, commit more crimes, yeah. and come back and stay in that cycle, right. I think. No, I think it's 100% correct because I think one of the driving forces for California's wanting to increase the prison population is to scoop up a chunk of the labor market. There Money. is a Correct. Right. There's, there is a lot of... So the industry and everything, from what I've read, Golden Gulag, Golden Gulag, 
You want to read a real fucking book and stop fucking around with his fucking, you know, romance novels you're reading? Get Golden Gulag. It's academic, but um, but it's heavily cited, excellent research, and they go in and explain how is it that California, right, the Golden State has the highest prison population in the world. How is that possible? And how did these institutions get so big? How did the C, the California Department of Corrections, get so fucking big, right? And in the beginning, you start to think like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, you got these prison guards and they need taxpayers and blah. But you know the story they tell and the way they lay it all out, it makes even more sense. Because again, they talk about that work in California has fluctuated. Available work for adults has fluctuated. And they've targeted and set up a system that gets brown, black, American Indian men off the streets who are out of work because aerospace left, because um, the, um, um, the, what do you call that, agriculture? agriculture, when they try to grow shit, agriculture. That, right, left, especially when we started outsourcing and getting agricultural goods from China, all that shit, right? So we bring in... We encourage illegal immigrants to come in so we don't have to pay them what the federal standards and all that shit really is. Mm -hmm. They all know this. And then all of the citizens who are out of work because they're of this situation, let's write a whole bunch of weird laws that catch them up and then they never get out of that system. Taxpayers fund it. And they and in this in this book, the 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 lady researcher even goes so far as to talk about all of the promises the CDC makes these small towns like Corcoran and fucking wherever, like, Kings County, and right, right? Like, oh, when the prison comes, everyone's gonna have a job. Work, yeah. Nobody does. It doesn't work like that at all. And in fact, most of the time, they don't hire the local people because there's seniority in unions for prison guards. So you don't just get up, you work your way up and all that stuff. So the whole thing's a fucking uh, facade, and the only people that actually get anything are the huge landowners, some of which are the same families that got the original grants who got the land bought from the CDC, which is really taxpayer money. Land that they weren't able to use for agriculture in the first place because it was all fucked up. Right. That's how it really works. It, I mean, it's concrete companies making money off prisons and jails. It's the communication companies that make monies off the phone calls that right. can be like five bucks a minute or whatever it is. Um, of course, it's all it's the vendors, it's the, the food work. Vendors. It's the work. I mean, they uh, the 13th Amendment, it says you don't have slavery unless what? Unless you're incarcerated. Incarcerated. Uh, that's exact for no so, forced labor. Unless Victoria's you're in jail. Secret, a ton of brands use prison labor where they pay prisoners cents to the dollar Easily. to do the same work that we should be employing people. Check this out. In Golden Gulag, what you just said, it's true, right? So they have the local people average wage. If they would have hired the people to do the work that, that they said, like regular agricultural work or whatever it was, instead of the prison, right? If they would have hired the locals, the price per hour would have been lower than what the state pays. Or, yeah, what the state is paid for their prison labor. And the reason why that is, is it's a deal between the private landowners or businesses and the state. The state 
The CDC makes the bulk of the money that these prisoners are working. And they just pay it, pennies to the prisoners? Yeah, and here yeah, it is. Yeah, it's and, like, they, and, and, it's not, and it's not competitive with the labor market in place. Go ahead. Yeah, it says, you know, like uh, uh, American Airlines use, and the car rental company Avis uses inmates to take reservations. Victoria's Secrets uses inmates to sew products. You know, and then they can say made in the USA. Exactly. These are like Walmart, Verizon. These are major companies. And I want to shout out someone specific, but Sam Nathaniel Brown, he spent uh, 24 years on the inside. He paroled himself out on the fifth time. And he also wrote something called the California Abolition Act, which would remove involuntary servitude and it would stop in California being able to profitize in this manner. Yeah. Um, and he's gotten this approved um, by a California assembly. He's bringing it to like state senators and he's making a ton of progress. He's been out for, I want to say like 150 days. What's his name? What's his Sam name? Nathaniel Brown. I'll definitely tell him to come on down to please. the show. He's yeah, an we'll amazing him, freaking human. I have so much love we and respect for him. An American, amazing. Yeah, we would love to have him. Yes, we would love that. Send him down. Hitting Absolutely. him up, but yeah, and and uh, so I just wanted to mention his work in that because Absolutely. when you are profiting off of this, we're in trouble, right? I mean, yeah, they'll never sure. change. And advocating against it is not. There's no money in it. That's like the reality. Is all the people who want to make these things worse for the people are all benefiting and making a lot of money off it. And the advocacies and stuff, there is no money in it. It's just passion and hope and wanting equality and, and uh, fairness, really. Yeah. I don't think that this country can actually live up to its efficiency, its productivity and strength until we get rid of these wastes. These are all wastes of human life, wastes of human time, wastes of taxpayer money. It's a, it's It's... It might have, I'm not saying it did. I'm just saying it might have made sense in a situation 150, 150 years ago. But I'm saying we're living in a, in a time now where you can't operate like this and expect to be competitive in the world market as a country. Correct. And look at what we spend money on. All the, the people, a lot of people in prison right now, first of all, it's for drugs and or being poor, right? If you're stealing food or you're stealing something, it's because you don't have money. This is an economics issue. Yeah. Right. And so we spend money may, turning really people who didn't have money into criminals, taking away their rights, making it harder forever for them to get ahead. And in doing so, in my opinion, we spent substantially more money than we could have just helped the person exactly. who actually, needed the help. That is actually And the resources true. and the place to go like this, right? Like where we are, these places are missing in many communities. And when money is spent to lock people up and forever take their rights away, that is a disinterest of them and, and really has them coming out potentially Definitely, maybe being worse than when they got in. You said you were bringing up something like that the other day, Juman. Yeah, I'm looking for the article right now, but I just read another academic article that said, and they did a study, a long study over like a 30 year period. Listen to this, yeah, yeah. Of um, whether or not it's cheaper, right, to provide social services and money to people who don't have the money than it is to not do that, but then have a higher crime rate and incarcerate all these people and deal with it. And what they found out is you save way more money 
And he, they said that adult males, and, and this is what they said. I don't know. I can't speak for adult women, but I'm just saying. They were saying adult males that when they go into these economic hardships that are not really their fault, then the rate of theft can go up. Crime does go up. When that happens, if they would have had social services like welfare or whatever to ease the economic discomfort, you de-incentivize the crime, it would have saved a ton of money versus incarcerating them, arresting them. The, the cops, the court, the, all that stuff costs way more than it would just to be they like- help them. Help them. Yeah. And, and what we've done in LA, and it's a major relevant issue now with homelessness, is we've criminalized homelessness. And I think that's the best way to clean the streets in a lot of ways is to find ways to arrest them, how to give them tickets. We know they don't won't show up to court. They're not going to pay it. Now they have a warrant. And at the end of the day, now you're like, oh, this person has a warrant. We don't even know what it's for, but get them off the street. Right. You know, and it's like, wait, what? You know, for what? They Because they were laying down on the curb and didn't have a place to go? A lot of these economic situations. So first, we're, we, we, we've said it probably a million times, and everybody knows it. Nobody cares, it seems like. But Ronald Reagan ended dealing with uh, mental illness in California in a real way a long time ago. Cut funding from it, all that stuff. As a result, you have a lot of people on the street that are mentally ill. Addiction, we all understand that aspect, too. To the extent that some people are homeless because of pure economic reasons, I don't know what that is, but that must exist on some level, right? So the issue is, is those folks, they're, they're in a situation, they're not, they need help. They need support. And, and we, for, I don't know why this is, but we as a community have developed this propaganda idea that I'm not helping anybody else. Mm. Right. I'm not doing I'm not put, putting myself out there. And part of it, I think, has to do with how difficult it is for somebody to become successful. Mm. Right. So so even if you're the son of an attorney, let's say, or, you know, the son of a plastic surgeon or the daughter of a plastic surgeon, it, however that is. Right. It's still pretty hard for you to make it. And somewhere along the way, you forget about the help. But do you think about like, well, I gave up. I sacrificed. And so now these people just want to freeload. And I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I was like, why are so many people concerned about freeloaders, but we don't give one shit about all of these trust fund kids who inherited wealth and did nothing for it? We really don't. We don't see that as freeloading, but it is. It is. It, I go, that nobody even thinks twice about. Most people hope that that might be them. And usually you see the situation, the Fords, the Rockefellers, it's usually like one psychotic obsessive capitalist who can mm -hmm. only work that hard because there's something crazy about him, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not necessarily taking it away. I'm just saying no one cares that much about making money except some real obsessed people. Makes this huge empire and then all of their dopey kids who wouldn't know a hard day if it hit them in the head, right? They just lounge off that, and there's all these laws. And listen, I'm an attorney, so I, I write a state plan, so I'm part of the problem. But the issue is I know it's firsthand. There's all these setups for kids that the parents leave, and then it's not considered freeloading. Right. It's not. Yeah, I mean, that's just the, the other side of it, right? But I don't know. I, I think it's disgusting here in America how we've dehumanized just people and I've done quite a bit of traveling in like other countries and there I find like a lot of dogs will be on the street 
you know, and I've even shared that on social media and the people are like, oh my God, the dogs, I feel so bad for them. Is anyone feeding them? I'm thinking, you know, if you let dogs out in any city, you know, Santa Monica, you let out some dogs, they're all going to find a home. Right. If one's bleeding, legs gone, there'll be a GoFundMe for it. Like everyone's going to figure it out. Right. How I don't get why it's not like that with people. And in the countries where I seen that with dogs, there wasn't people on the street. Mm-hmm. It isn't. I, I didn't see. I saw maybe one, maybe one in like months at a time, or not even right. Because and by the way, dogs if they are saw, outside animals. Can right. they can survive? They're exactly. built like in a lot of ways, right? Right. But here we'll walk by someone who's like hungry or could use something. We'll chase a dog down. So I think just our perception and values are so fucked up and. The media shows, movies have done a really poor job at depicting like hum- humanity. You yeah, know? but it's because Sitting Bull, when he went to Washington D.C., Sitting Bull said, "He's like, I mean, yes, all this stuff that the white man's doing is is is, is it's impressive. You got the guns, you got the vine, we get it." But he was like, "You know, one thing that that I see in the in the white cities that we you, you I've never seen before." Homeless children. Cinema was like, we don't do that. Like, we feed kids. We take care of our kids. We don't do that. I've only seen this in your cities, and I don't get it. Homeless fucking kids. It's disgusting. And, I mean, here in L.A., it's like the ep- it's the worst in the country. And regarding our country and homelessness and specifically with, like, veterans, you know, and you uh, mentioned dude, come on. Different, That's a whole different show now. But it's really all in all the same. I mean, Estevan actually pulled up to visit a bunch of the veterans in Brentwood. And Brianna was another celebrity that expressed interest in how do we help the veterans and came. You know, the, regarding that, again, here in L.A., is 10% of the homeless are veterans. Yeah. And we treat them like. You know, there's like what? You know what I'm saying? We don't even Forgotten. think about them, right? This and and the only time, and this is on both sides of the aisle, we think about vets is election. Mm. They'll come out. You'll see whoever it is is they'll be wearing proud vets, and they'll get on a fucking destroyer and be like, "We, what are we doing?" Soon as they get voted in, it's like you don't hear anything ever again, right? And and I think that's super important that we should. It, right now, we're in an election for LA. There's all the mayors. And I think it's like they're not addressing it, in my opinion, at Bro. all. And uh, we're near Brentwood. You know, that's the West LA VA. That's 388 yeah. acres of land that was deeded to be a veteran's home. Yep. There used to be 4,000 plus veterans that lived in Brentwood at the West LA their VA, their right. home. Right. Right now, you have like 100 veterans sleeping in sheds where the VA doesn't give them keys. They're limited on showers, limited on cleaning their clothes. We ch- we are literally treating veterans on what's supposed to be their home like prisoners. And it's been really uh, hard and to understand like, and see. And like we're doing them a favor. Mm-hmm, like it's yeah. not just we're treating our prisoners. It's like, hey, and you should be thankful because it could be worse. Yeah, that's totally right. And what's interesting is when the land was donated by these really wealthy families in 1888, they specifically didn't want that feeling. That's why they called it a home. Right. Because they didn't want it to be a place where it was like, oh, we're donating this to you. Right. It was actually supposed to be you deserve this. Dignity. Right. And the whole mentality of all of us changed again because of greed, corruption, mm. and uh yeah. And lack of education. 
Because I bet you half of the people don't really understand don't how know. it was. Also, Correct. Yeah. And I didn't know. I was went to the Brentwood Theater and saw Tom Hanks. I used to use the VA as a shortcut to get around Brentwood. Right. I didn't know. It's like we just have to start at learning, talking, and sharing more. Well, listen. Let me tell you something. This is a checkpoint for city council against Rick yes. Caressa, Caruso and against uh, yeah. Yeah, Karen Bass or whatever it is. Um, Sarah, what do you, you've, you've sat through this, you've listened to all these men explain about life and everything. Um, what are your parting thoughts? What, what do you have to say? Get on that mic. I think overall we're just very desensitized. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of abuse and power and it's so sad to witness that. Mm. Wow. Well, I would say that's true, and I would say, and 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 I would say, I want to give a big shout out to the the find it. It's National Bureau of Economic Research published 2022 February 2022, and its uh, title is "Does Welfare Prevent Crime: The Criminal Justice Outcomes of Youth Removed from Social Services." It lays it all out. It's free. You can read it. And the truth is they did the goddamn research and it's cheaper to help people than to put them in prison. Imagine that. Imagine fucking that. So, um, Mr. Checkpoint, where do people go to support your cause? How do they how do they donate if they do? Are you going to be doing any rallies? Uh, um, let's see. This Sunday. When does this come out? How soon? This will come out. When do you think? <sighs> Fuck. I mean, okay, I got you. Follow uh, me on Instagram and YouTube. It's Mr. Checkpoint. Um, there's also an Instagram account, Always Film the Police. And there is a nonprofit, AFTPfoundation.com. AFTP stands for Always for the People. Yeah. One thing we always do for the people is always film the police, jury duty, learn our rights, and advocate for a lot of these issues and people. Uh, that have been affected by police brutality. So that's AFTPfoundation.com. And that's... At Always Film the Police, at Mr. Checkpoint. At Mr. Checkpoint. We're going to... We'll know when our sound engineer, by Monday, we're going to know what date that your show's going to come out. It'll be next week sometime. No, Russ, I'm excited. And then a couple days before, I'm going to send you the whole post link. You'll be added on everything. Are you like and that way? You'll have it. A are you like on? Are you like doing CBD treatments, dude? You're like the most relaxed dude I've ever met. Like, how's that? Like, are you on the cookies treatment, dude? Are you doing ayahuasca? Like, what did you do, bro? The cookies treatment. Okay. So, uh, we're gonna, uh, after we're the done cookies here, treatment, I'm, you, I'm, I'm gonna get everything together and send you guys a nice package oh. right to your doorstep. Um, I'll be even more calm. Oh wow, yeah. Bro. <laughs> I get you on the program. You should get into that binaural speech stuff, dude. You'd be perfect for that. Just hit a bunch of cookie stuff and then just get on there and be like, these are your rights, your constitutional rights. (laughs) Wait, wait, what's it called? The binaural. Binaural? Yeah, there's this whole thing online. It's been going on for a long time where people get on and the way the, the, the sounds are set up, it's to trigger the back of your hair standing up. It's something that happens with sound. So it's like a whole subculture called binaural beats or binaural like speeches. It's oh. You would be. T- <laughs> 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 you just run like, oh, cookies back here. <laughs> Look at that guy there. Well, he I got, he's with the programs. I love my fucking favorite dude right here. All right. Listen. 
Supermax Hardware. No, you do your thing. No, I'm not doing it anymore. No. Okay. Avonda Bowen. Avonda Bowen, no, no, no. where Super we wear bro- braids to court. <laughs> best legal. Let the tomahawks fly. Uh, the best legal defense money can buy. Let the tomahawks fly. Yeah, that's right. And uh, listen, if you want a picture that finally makes you look like the handsome or gorgeous specimen that you are, you better go find Big Pick Mike, Mike, Mike Angelo philo- Photography, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Any other thing? What about DJ, right? DJ Scatman, what are you doing? Nah, DJ Mike Angelo, man. DJ Mike Angelo. Right. Any out there, audio equipment, we got you back on that one. So hook them up if you need audio equipment to do your own DJ gig. And? Supermaxhardware.com. Check us out. We're dropping capsule, uh, summer capsule uh, this month. Also, uh, cookies at cookiessf. Check out cookiessf.com. Vibesrollingpapers.com. Um, Enzo's Pizzeria. Candle Buds. Candle Buds. Tell us what Candle Buds are again. What are uh, Candle Buds? Yeah, look at it. Oh, my favorite scented, stoner. Scented uh, with uh, real terps for uh, different types of. Just get in there and smell that candle. Yeah, I'm going to give you a couple. When you're yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a newer brand. Check us out at Candle Buds. <laughs> and um, shout out to Burner. Shout out to Cookie's Family. Shout out Esteban. to Esteban Oreo yes. and Soul Assassins. Right. And DJ Muggs and you drop in. Always listen to the Hard Luck Show. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I want to give another big shout out to Mr. Checkpoint. Yeah. Coming in, man. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you for you all both. you do. Right. Thank you for all, all you do, man. Thank you yeah. for having hey, me. Hey, um, is it true that there's... Put- now, this is just a rumor. I don't know if it's true. Mm. And I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but what? is there going to be a collab between Mr. Checkpoint and Cookies anytime soon? There are, we, there, anything's possible. What do you think about world, that? Anything's possible. <laughs> all right. Uh, Sarah, you I probably- know there's a sponsorship about to go down. A sponsorship. We're about to sponsor this guy. Let's I'm go. I'm telling you right now, dude. Imagine Cookie's logo on one of those videos. Hmm? Dude, hmm? I'll, I'll rep it. I'm oh, in. I got you. You oh. already know. You already know, Ali. <laughs> Adios, amigos, from the Hard Luck Show. Sarah, you got anything to add? Add? Are you promoting anything? Sure, I'd love to promote uh, the Concierge Kitchen on Instagram. We're doing a campaign feeding 10K meals across LA from July 4th to September 3rd. Concierge so, Kitchen. Concierge I'm going to follow that right now. Chef Supreme. Kitchen. Chef Supreme. Vegan meals. They serve oh, to Skid yeah. Row yeah. veterans. They're pulling up this Sunday to veterans. And really? Chef Vegan. Supreme is super dope. Yes. Oh, love Man, it. I love oh. this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, oh, Concierge Kitchen. Chef Supreme, right? Listen, Correct. eat your Bam. greens. Don't be crazy. Awesome. I'm on it. Don't be a part of the prison animal complex. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Adios amigos from the Hard Luck Show. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
guidebook, guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.